Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm honestly so grateful that you're listening to my podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast is all about bringing servant leaders to share their stories and life experiences with you all in the hopes to help more people to find their true purpose and meaning to life. Today I have an incredible guest who I'm so excited to share with you all. His name is Omar Hashem and he's a writer, mental health advocate, graphics designer and upcoming author. Writing has been part of his life since high school, but then he faced his first real heartbreak, which eventually led him into a state of deep depression and isolation. He would write poems as an outlet, not realizing it was only the emotional release. Essentially, he was looking for happiness outside of himself, which placed him in a very vulnerable position. He believes that if his words have the power to resonate with someone that he doesn't know, and if it happens to give them permission to be themselves, he will continue writing. In this episode, Omar shares his story of how he got himself out of a deep depressed state after a major heartbreak and talks a lot about mental health and how it's affecting many people's lives due to the stigmas and perceptions other people have around this subject matter. So without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Hey, Omar, thank you so much for being on the Purposeful Mindset podcast with me today. I'm super grateful that you took time out of your busy life. And I know you just finished school as well back in Canada. And honestly, I'm just super grateful that I can get your time, man, because I really have been waiting so long to get you on the podcast. And I genuinely remember messaging you a couple of months ago. because I was like, I really want this. I want to, first of all, I want to know his story. I've seen videos and I've seen your posts about mental health, etc. I loved it, resonated with a lot. I think we stemmed, like I, I connected with you uh, uh, initially via Amberly, um, which was super cool. And I still remember following your posts even from back then. Um, it's just like, you know, life got busy and you know, things going on and I never got a chance. Um, but I literally had a list of people of our, who I wanted on the podcast. And every so often I update the list. Every time I connect with someone new, put their name down because I'm like, I'm going to ask this person if, they, if they're open to come on the podcast. But I genuinely, I'm so grateful that you're here, man. And I really want you to share your story because I know it's super powerful. I know Thanks I'm willing, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to shut up and just listen because I want to learn from you as well. And yeah, man, I'm just so grateful you're here, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks very much for having me. It's, you know, like you said, we've been wanting to connect for the longest time. So it's good that we finally made it happen. 100% man. I'm so grateful. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being here, man. But could thanks you just start me. off by introducing yourself to the listeners, um, telling them what you're all about, what you're passionate about, and then just diving straight into your story so everybody can just um, learn more about who you are and what journey you've been on, just like the journey that we've all been on so far in our life. Definitely. So I'm Omar. And uh, I'm 32 years old. I'm from Canada. I am a Muslim, Lebanese, Canadian. Very proud to be all three. And my main story is I'm actually in the process of switching career paths. My main background is in business management and finance. So over a period of about seven years, I had gone through several different jobs, both in a bank environment Um, as well as in a retail environment. But in recent years, I also worked for a hospital, insurance company. So I've done quite a bit with the education I had, was very successful in uh, the different roles that I I pursued. And uh, upon upon, uh, getting actually into the field, I was approaching my final year in university. This would have been in 2012. And I had two years under my belt in the major bank that I was working for. And it was a sales role. So I initially started on the phones in a call center environment. And then did that for a year when I was in my third year. And then in my last year, I transitioned into a branch setting in a bank. So I was a teller. Did that for a year. And so I set myself up early on to get into the company that I wanted to. That was also relevant to my education. Because I knew once I graduated, what do most students do? They just start scrambling, trying to find the job that they want. And many actually have the mentality that um, they're just going to suddenly get this amazing management role or this role. It's not the way it works. You have to start at the bottom, especially in the business field and, you know, move your way up. So I made sure to get in early and everything I had planned out from that, you know, point forward just... Like it's, it's, it was just like a vision that I, uh, I envisioned where I wanted to be 
and just kind of align myself accordingly so that I would set myself up for that next step. And I knew once uh, the final year in uh, university would uh, fastly approach, I wanted to make sure I had some years in, in the organizations. So, well, ironically, though, once I graduated, I actually um, was debating whether or not I should go back to school to pursue a passion, which is graphic design. And this has been a lifelong passion of mine. And it's one of those things that I never thought would be an option because being Lebanese, um, for me in particular, my parents kind of instilled uh, the ideas of pursuing um, a career that was stable and um, upscale. So things like being a doctor, engineer. Know the feeling. (laughs) Right? I'm sure you can relate to that. So that was definitely something that was instilled in me. But it's also interesting because out of my three siblings, I have a brother and a sister who are both older than me. I was the only one out of all of us to actually pursue post-secondary education and stick with it. Wow. And when I graduated from university, I had finished seven years of worth of post-secondary education, both college and university level. And I was torn at the time because... I was doing well at, you know, establishing my career and knowing where I wanted to go moving forward. But at the same time, I had this, you know, this, uh, this deep desire to pursue something greater. I always knew I was good in the, in the arts. And it was something that even my teachers back in high school recognized that uh, I was good at. But I kind of just shoved it under the rug and accepted the fact that I wasn't going to pursue it. Mm. But what I've learned is the more you're passionate about something, the more it just kind of aches inside of you and it always returns back. And I didn't know that at the time. So um, what happened was I reached out to some of my mentors, uh, for instance, my manager who I had a really good relationship with. And we sat and we talked for about an hour and I just basically opened up to her and tried to find direction because I honestly didn't know what to do. I was on the fence about going back to school. And instead of encouraging me to go back, she was telling me things that I didn't want to hear, such as, you know, if you stayed here, I can see you becoming a branch manager one day. So, of course, I would get excited when, you know, somebody higher than you sees something in you um, and can recognize that you're somebody that they can see progressing. Mm-hmm. So I had that conflict because it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I continue on the path that I'm on or do I switch gears and do something I actually want to do? And it's funny because I went ahead and I applied because I wasn't finding the answers I was looking for. So I just listened to my gut and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Hmm. And whatever happens, happens. I'm still young and, you know, whatever's it's, if, if I'm meant to come back to the business world, that's what's meant to happen and vice versa. So I applied to all these different schools, got accepted to all of them, and then ended up accepting my intent to go to school here in, Can- in Canada uh, to Fanshawe College, which is a college here in London, and paid my, paid my $500 deposit and everything, and I was set to go. So the intention was there, took those you know, actionable steps, and then suddenly I got a promotion offer within my company for a financial analyst position. And this was like in the company I was working for, they did the roles in terms of different levels Mm -hmm. and different salary bands. So that job in particular would have been four levels higher than where I was, which was a level two. So I would have been jumping to a level six. So it was a big deal. And I knew many people who wanted this job that came right on my lap. And the way that job came my way was I actually job shadowed in the corporate um, towers where this position is. And this was done a couple of months before I was graduating from university. And I went down and I sat for about two, three hours and just networked with all these different people in the department in finance. And I guess after I had spent that time with them, ironically, right when I applied for school is when they emailed me and they said, you know what? We remember you from when you came and you job shadowed with us and met with us. We really liked you and we want to invite you to apply to this position because there's an opening. So I went through the three-stage process, over 100 applicants, by the way. And how of networking, I, right? I honestly, at the time, not just because of how young I was, but because I never had a role like that in my life, I honestly didn't believe that I was qualified for this job at all. Of course. Yeah, you would think like that, right? 
right? Most people would. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, so I knew the power of networking. I've always been that way in terms of stepping outside of my comfort zone and doing things that, of course, will lead you to that next step forward, as I'm sure you know. Um, and so when she had reached out to me, she said, we want, we want to invite you to apply. So I did all the different steps. And moral of the story is I got the offer. And so that's where the conflict was. Do I take this job or do I cancel school? And I canceled school. That's what I ended up doing. Wow. It was a tough decision. And well, I uh, guess at that young age, you, it's like, it, it, we just get excited, right? When a massive opportunity, especially like you said, from a level two to a level six, that would just make you so excited. Like, oh, school school. Like this, look at how much money I can make from this job. Exactly. And the experience and the people. 100%. And you know what? At the time in my life, um, I had a lot of other things going on, uh, which we can touch on whenever you're ready to. But basically, I was in a very, very dark place. Um, I had experienced a major heartbreak in my life. And that put me in a position where I was trying to latch on to all these different things that will bring me fulfillment, such as uh, the need for, f- for friends, new friends. Um, the need to feel loved, the need to uh, be successful, all these different things are things that I latched onto in an effort to fill the voids inside of me because I was experiencing depression at the time. And it's one of those things that kind of, um, it kind of grew and grew over the years because I didn't come to terms with how I was feeling, mm-hmm. especially being a man and a man of color at that. It was something that I never came to terms with because we're like in my community in particular, uh, generally speaking, we're taught to be very tough and very, uh, you know, we have ourselves together. But that can be very unhealthy too, because if you're not co- like if you're not coping in healthy ways or even addressing the issues that you're going through, of course, they'll only escalate, right? Yeah. And so success became my safe haven. It was my way of having something to call mine and something to focus on, but as I focused so much on my success, I kind of lost touch with myself because I really didn't know where I was going. Yeah. And so it was like, I found, and that's the very interesting part is from that specific role moving forward, I just kept climbing the corporate ladder. And every year that I was in that company, I, I was with them for five years. I had a new role every single year. Wow. And there's a reason for that. I was constantly hustling. I was constantly under this, false notion that you have to be constantly working your butt off to get what you want, which is true in a way, but you also need to, of course, take care of yourself. So there's that self-care aspect as well, which I lacked very much. Um, So anyways, after I had uh, went through all these different roles within the company, um, after the financial analyst position, I had an accounts payable role, and then I had an IT analyst role. So I had a lot of really good positions. Mm. And once I hit that final position in that company, um, it was a one-year term offer. So once I had approached the, the final uh, couple of months, there was, a, there was another job I had my eye on in the company. And it was for a web analyst role. So th- these, th- I'm sure you can gather, I had a lot of analysis-related roles. Yeah. And, uh, so I went through the interview process because I was trying to set myself up to the next stage and my manager ended up not willing to release me from the job I was in. And I had approached my, I want to say 11th month and I only had another month to go with him in that, in that department. He gave me permission to apply to this specific position I was interested in. And in the end, when the, uh, the hiring manager wanted to take me on, he wasn't willing to release me. Wow. And that left a bitter taste in my mouth because here I was trying to plan out my life for the next step. And my manager, although supporting me initially, ended up changing his mind in the end. Damn. And that yeah, so... annoying, right? It, honestly, I was... I was torn and I got to the bottom of it. Obviously I gave him a call cause he was, I, my manager was in Toronto, so I didn't physically have him here. Okay. I used, I used to work remotely most of the time and I called him to get clarification and to see where the disconnect was. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he admitted that he wasn't willing to release me. Um, and that was that. And I just had to accept it. Right. 
And so from there, um, ironically, the same exact timing, my family wanted to start a family business. And this came out of nowhere. Just the timing was crazy. Mm. And they, it was both my dad and my brother who wanted to uh, open up an internet cafe. Okay. So it was a PC and console gaming lounge. Something right. you don't see here a lot. Okay. And so I was all in. And uh, of course, after experiencing that with my manager, I had really nothing to lose, I guess. Yeah. So it was the perfect time for me to go all in on something completely new and see where it goes, right? So I ended up going into this business venture. But even before going into it, my brother and I did not have a good relationship at all. We actually, prior to this business, we didn't speak for almost 10 years. Wow. We did not have any sort of contact. And it was something, what led to that point was growing up, I was very much bullied by him. And I, I struggled personally with my weight and I would get bullied at school and then coming home and get bullied by my brother. It was, it was very, very toxic for me. And that was just only one particular thing that kind of, uh, I guess, ruined our relationship. Yeah. But then after so much time and this business idea came about, I'm like, you know what, let's see if this will kind of rekindle what we've lost. Mm. We're older now. Maybe things have changed. And he was living in Calgary, Alberta f- for that time that we didn't speak. So uh, there was also no real, there was nothing really connecting us anyways. Yeah. Because we were so far away. True. So I guess it made it easier in a way for both of us just to not talk to each other because we got mm-hmm. used to that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I went in on, all in on this business. I invested everything that I had built up for myself into this place. From the ground up, we built it. And uh, financially, all the money went into it. I was driving a really nice car at the time. It was an Infiniti G37X. I ended up having to liquidate it and then put that money into the business. So I sacrificed a lot. And it it wasn't just a sacrifice that was a risk, but the fact that I knew that my relationship with my brother wasn't healthy. There was that fear in the back of my mind saying, is this a good idea? I don't know where this is going to end. Yeah. But I went all in anyways, because of course in life, you got to take risks. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And so the first year or so went okay. And the business itself was very successful. And I was, I was very much um, the book smarts and the operations of the business, whereas my brother was more hands-on. And so we balanced each other out that way. Okay. So I saw the numbers coming through and I knew the business was flourishing. But there came a point where those toxic behaviors that I noticed in my brother in the past started manifesting again. Really? And it got really bad. I I brushed it off for the first bit. And uh, one day I just had enough of it and I couldn't contain myself anymore. And I literally just grabbed the keys to the business and I handed them to him and I said, I'm out. You can stay and I'll leave. And the crazy part about that is I was the one that had everything to lose because he didn't invest a penny in the business. It was just me and my father. Wow. But I was willing to swallow my pride and leave and walk out knowing that it was healthier and better for me to step away. And also knowing deep down that I would be okay because I had all this other experience and this background carrying me forward. Yeah, yeah. Which I was right in the end because after I had left... I started applying for work and I I had no issues getting back into the corporate world, which became quite familiar to me. Definitely. Yeah. After working that many years, isn't it? Right. So anyways, I got back into the workforce and I worked in an insurance company. It was a temporary role, did that for about seven months and then got into a hospital, which was a finance related job again. And uh, did that for about half a year. And my manager wanted to hire me for another analyst position, which I, of course, had experience in. But she pulled me into the office because I didn't end up getting the job. And she wanted to talk to me about it. And uh, basically, the way the conversation went is she just straight up asked me, she said, are you happy where you are? Because I get a sense that you're not, this isn't where you want to be. I have a a sense that there's something else that you want to do. And she was right. And before this, I didn't, you know, have any conversations with her prior. 
So the fact that she was able to pull that out of me was just was felt like energy, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And you know what? A part of me was kind of worried because I'm like, I don't want them to think anything, right? Because I'm yeah. still doing my job. I'm still working hard. I'm still doing my due diligence as an employee and all that good stuff. But the other part of me was happy that she asked because it's something that needed to be addressed because I kept putting it off. Mm. And like I told you before, um, I had applied to school in 2012. And fast forward to 2016, I still had the desire to go back. And when my manager had approached me about this, um, I was open and honest about it. And I told her that, of course, I had um, a conflict of, you know, wanting to pursue uh, graphic design, but not feeling like it was an option for me. And because I was doing so well in my career, in the field that I was in, I had no reason to leave. And that's what made it so difficult. Yeah. Because essentially I, I trapped myself. I made myself believe that there was, it was, I was in such a good position and it would almost be selfish of me to step away from a place that many would have, you know, died to get. Yeah. And I'd have friends who struggled to get jobs in the field that I was lucky enough to uh, get jobs in here in London. Many of them had to leave cities, country. So my biggest struggle at the time was I honestly, like I would think back to myself and I would think that I felt selfish for thinking the way I did Mm. because here I was landing these really good jobs that looked good on paper that was making me good money um, jobs were, that were just generally speaking desirable amongst other peers that were in the same line of work that I was in. And I knew a lot of people who were struggling to find work and, uh, they ha- many of them had to leave cities because they couldn't, you know, find what they were looking for. So I honestly felt selfish at the time. And I think that alone is what kind of stopped me from taking action for myself because of that, uh, that, that belief of, uh, not not being grateful for what I had, even though I was grateful, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. And when I was explaining this to my manager, she said, look, she said, I've been in accounting for many, many years. And she, she was at least, you know, 60 or 65 years old at the time. And she said, I've been doing this for my entire life, essentially. And I love it. Many people don't love this field. It's very dry for some which I totally get because I, you know, I've taken accounting as well. And uh, she said, if there's something that you really want to do and you love graphic design, this is your passion in life, do it. Don't even think twice about it. You live once. This is your one shot. You can't, you know, miss it. That was the sign, isn't it? That that lady was the (laughs) sign in your life that came and saved your life. (laughs) It's so strange. It's like the universe had plans for me to take me down this path because that was the job. Like you implied there was that was the job that kind of gave me the light bulb in my head to say okay maybe it's time but you know I walked away from that conversation with peace of mind of course but I still wasn't convinced for some reason and it took me a few weeks after that because I'm like you know what maybe this maybe it's just me I was looking for excuses to kind of keep myself trapped in that environment even though I knew I had to pull myself out of it and the weeks dragged on and I, and one random day, it would have been in winter time and our winters here in Canada are brutal, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We will, <laughs> we will see. <laughs> I don't know if you could see some of it in the background here, but it's, no, it's I can't see madness. It. I can imagine that I've seen pictures that I've, people, have, my friends in Canada have told me, man, it's damn, 50, here the UK is cold. Yeah, we come to London in Canada. <laughs> no, you cannot compare what you guys have to what we have. It's insane. But you know what? It's, it's nice because we get to change the scenery. So I like it in that sense. But I also like wintertime for a very different reason. And this is what's leading me into my next uh, my point here. So one random morning, it was wintertime. And it was freezing. Just think of a snowstorm, miserable, gloomy, depressing day. I wake up and it was about 6 a.m. I look outside my window and I had moved out of my parents' place at the time. So I had my own place. I look outside and I just felt like when I got out of my bed, I just felt dread, complete and utter dread to go to this job. I look outside the window and I just, it's like, it's almost like the, the scenery kind of set the mood for how I was feeling. Yeah. 
it was such a deep, you know, it was a deep moment, but also kind of like a revelation because that was the moment where I felt something mm. for some odd reason. And I was like, why am I putting myself through this constantly day in and day out? No matter, I, I see myself jumping from one role to the next, succeeding nonstop, but not feeling fulfilled. Why am I putting myself through that? And I'm like, do I really want to be one of those people who just kind of gets dragged along in life doing things that he knows he doesn't want to do and has the power to actually change circumstances, but doing nothing about them. Mm. I don't want to be that person anymore. And I promised myself that day. I said, you know what? Right when I got into my car, I got outside, you know, went into my car and I'm like, this is going to be the day that I change my life and I'm going to turn my life around. And I got home from work that day, applied to all these exact schools that I applied to the last time, almost like repeating history. And this time I accepted the same school offer. And this time it was set in stone. And I quit my job after a few weeks, moved back home, swallowed my pride again, moved back home into my parents' house, with, which was amazing because they were so, like, obviously they were so welcoming and they had no qualms about, you know, not allowing me to come back. Um, so it was nice that I had that uh, privilege to, uh, to do what I wanted to do. And I, you know, I ended up applying back to school, accepted it. And here we are three years later. And I'm in my third and final year of the program in graphic design. In the past summer, I got sent to uh, Europe. I, th- I think I told you yeah. over uh, Instagram. I got sent to Amsterdam or Belgium, sorry. And then I extended my trip and went to uh, the Netherlands. So Amsterdam was part of that. Yeah. And I got sent as the sole student out of my entire program to go study abroad to take a special 3D modeling and printing class. Wow. I wrote a letter and I wrote a letter to Belgium, um, to the, to the, to the, um, sorry, the, uh, the professors down there. And they're the ones that made the decisions as to who would get accepted. And they, picked, they, chose, they, they handpicked people from all over the world. So there was about 20 or so of us. It was a big deal. And it was funny because I had applied for this. I wrote a letter and you had to basically explain why you would be the best candidate to go. And I wrote this letter with absolutely no intention of getting selected. Yeah. And I spent about two weeks nurturing this letter putting it together and many of my friends were like you're gonna get picked watch and i'm like no it's just you know it's just for fun nothing's gonna happen i went ahead and i applied and they picked me and then something different you know you sent that letter i guess i bet you nobody else sent a letter you were the one that sent a letter and they were like wow like this this is the one there's something different and special and unique about this person well, actually, no, everybody had to write a letter. Oh, okay. That was part of the application process. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought you but, separately sent the, the, the professors their letter. So it's... Oh, sorry. I should have clarified. So, yeah, it was part of the application process. Okay. And I guess when I went down there, finally, one of the professors told me, he's like, the reason I took you in was because of your letter. But, of course, there was other um, factors as well, such as your grades Mm-hmm. Um, your involvement in your program, things like that. But he said, your letter is what set you apart from everybody else in your story. And I touched on essentially what I just shared with you, my career journey and what led me to the point that I'm at. It's powerful so, because it's so vulnerable, you know, like, because people connect with it and it's real, you know, you probably, you know, you, you, you wrote it from the heart, right? Because you really probably want, at the time, I'm guessing if I was that person writing a letter, I would be, putting all my efforts and energy and any psychology or anything that's like vulnerable and real and genuine, I would be putting it in that just in the hopes of getting picked, right? So I can imagine. Absolutely. And the other fear though that came about was now having to make the decision to travel solo to another, not just another country, another continent completely. Not knowing the faces, not knowing the streets, not knowing the language even. Because in Europe, many places, they speak three languages. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And so and right when I landed in the airport in in Brussels, Brussels, um, culture shock hit immediately. And now here I was having to adjust because you have no other choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And 
you'd be amazed at how quickly you just adapt to your environment and you trust people more so than you would in your home country, especially yeah. strangers. I guess it's because sometimes I, f- I feel like when, you, when you're around that different culture and you have that culture shock, plus because you're in a different continent as well, I guess because you don't know anyone there, you also don't have that fear of the judgment of what would people think about me. Exactly. Because you're just like, I don't care about these people. They're going to see me once. They're going to see me again. <laughs> Yeah. And honestly, even, even outside of that though, is like in, in the grand scheme of life, you're going to get judged in life regardless of what you do. Exactly. So it's might, might as well do what sets your soul on fire, do what makes you happy and don't worry about what people think about you. Cause they're going to judge you regardless. hundred percent. I love it. It's so true. Talk to us a little bit about that though. Like, did you, did you used to get judged back in the day when you, through your journey, did you get judged a lot from others? That, that genuinely stopped you from doing something because you felt, you felt, oh crap, like, you know, these people are actually judging me and I'm scared now. I don't want to do it. Oh, absolutely. Um, prior to opening that business, which would have been a, it would have been, would have been around 2015. Um, I had a group of about seven white male friends and I was a part of this group as the only Middle Eastern person. So that instantly kind of isolated me in a way. Yeah. And these were a group of friends who, at the time, I had latched onto, as I was telling you about, because I honestly was in a dark place and I felt alone and I felt unsupported. And uh, when I finally found a group of people who welcomed me at the start from what appeared on the surface, I, you know, I, I jumped in, not even thinking twice about it. And over a few years... I started to see the toxic habits that were, were reality. And specifically, about a year before I started the business, um, I was very close to one of my friends from, from amongst the entire group. We were best friends. And I literally spent 24-7 with these guys. And I probably would have spent more time in their homes than I did in my own home. Mm. We did everything together and I ended up starting over time. I started to neglect the friends that I had established in the past unknowingly and unintentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, They pulled me away from my family, my friends, even myself, my goals. And one day what happened, what what really set me off with these group, these group of individuals was um, they ended up suddenly having an issue with my religion which is Islam. Wow. Now I should be clear right from the start though, that I'm not a very religious person. Um, but I am very, very spiritual and I do identify with Islam. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they knew this, they knew that, you know, I used to fast the month of Ramadan. Yeah. And, uh, I never used to pray all the time or anything like that, but I used to, of course, identify with it. And I wasn't one of those people who would flaunt it or talk about it openly because I knew how sensitive of a topic it was. Mm -hmm. And especially with all the things happening in the world, I was kind of closed off with that topic. Yeah. Unless of course somebody approached me and asked me questions and wanted to learn more, was more than happy to. Yeah. But otherwise I never felt the need to, it was kind of, it was something personal to me, Mm -hmm. which I think honestly it should be that way because nobody has a right to judge you. Personally too. Like I only speak the, the two the two main topics I never speak about publicly and openly is religion and politics. Cause I always know no matter what anybody says, those are the two biggest topics that always leads to some kind of argument, some kind of um, negative vibe ab- around the person that you're speaking to around. Unless of course, like you said, if someone comes and asks specific questions about it and you're, and you're just speaking to them one-on-one personally, that's totally fine. That's when I'm more than happy to have a conversation and, and help uh, people learn more. But I'm I'm also one of those people, like most of the people that see my content, they see, like, they just see <clears throat> content that they need to see. You know, they don't, they don't, it, it never goes into politics or religion. And I don't also share things that I'm doing in my personal life when it comes to religion, et cetera, like that. Because I know it, it like, uh, uh, although that's me and my, my beliefs and my, that's, that's my religion and my faith is that it, no, I don't like, because I stopped worrying and caring what other people think about me. I just live my truth. So people see me and as, as in they see my character and they learn more about my character than they do everything else in my life. So they exactly. see like, you know, because, so basically what I'm trying to say is I kind of show people my religion through my character. 
rather than expressing and, and giving them a whole lecture about what Islam is and what our, what our religion is all about. So Absolutely. I think, I think and you know what? Oh, 100% with you. And just to add to that, I truly, truly believe religion, culture, everything aside, it's what's in a person's heart. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. Um, you got to show someone who you are. What's your character like? Tell me about you. What have you been in your struggles in life? What have you experienced? What have been your shortfalls? What have been the things that have propelled you forward? Those are the things that are important. That's what's going to connect you to people. It's not going to be what you believe in in terms of your religion. That's just another layer of you, but it doesn't define you entirely. And uh, I think as a society, we need to be more educated on that because anybody can identify with any religion. If you had a white male, for example, who said they were Muslim, would you judge them on the surface as more so than a person like me who looks more Middle Eastern? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Because society sees a beard like this, dark features, uh, many would automatically assume a Middle Eastern and they'll have a higher judgment because of that initially without even asking you the simple questions about yourself. Like, what's your name? Which is a powerful question. The, that reality, question, the reality is people just judge us from... The first thing they judge is how you look. Exactly. It's That's all about your look. No. 100%. And uh, just to tie that in with those friends that I was telling you about, uh, one day I realized that they just became so toxic and they were pulling me into environments that were completely out of character for me, such as going to bars, drinking, mm. smoking, imagine, yeah. drugs, all these different things that led up to substance abuse. These were the types of people I was hanging around. And they were your typical alpha males is what I like to call them because they had aggressive personalities, um, very much controlling. Uh, my best friend was literally, literally at the time, trying to mold me into a person that I no longer, um, I de- no longer, uh, no longer resembled me. Mm. And I didn't realize what was happening because I was in such a vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. And I had such a need to be with these guys all the time because I didn't know anything else Yeah, to that extent. And they made me feel like I had a home, even though it wasn't a healthy home. Yeah. And I used to bend over backwards for them. I used to lend money in thousands and not receive it back for months or even up to a year and having to beg for them to return the money. Um, things like that, or even driving them from one place to the next, driving them out to bars and waiting for them to enjoy themselves and get drunk, and me just sitting alone in a booth waiting for them to finish their night. Mm. Things like that. And uh, the one, the one night, oh, the, sorry, the one day when I finally realized they were very toxic was when I started to notice they started to bring up my religion into conversation. And they didn't do it in a lighthearted manner because you know how some guys are with each other. They'll nitpick or they'll joke around in a lighthearted way, which is fine in certain circumstances. But sometimes a joke gets carried through the mud and it becomes almost like picture a punching bag and you punching that thing deliberately and purposefully. That's what I felt like. Mm. And they brought my religion. They started, they would start to, you know, say things like, like I'm from Lebanon. So they would say things like, Oh, does your country have electricity down there? Or, uh, you guys must have camels or things like that. Like stupid things like that. Yeah. And just, they would laugh obnoxiously. And then they would, when they would see me fasting, they would be like, they would start swearing and they'd just be like, why, why the hell are you fasting? It's so stupid. Um, and this is just me not even talking about it myself. They just felt the need to bring these things up. Mm -hmm. And for the first bit, I didn't really say anything. I just kind of brushed it off and I didn't show emotion. And looking back now, I I strongly believe it's because of the idea of toxic masculinity. Yeah. I had this notion in my mind that if you show your vulnerability, it's now a weakness. Yeah. Not just... As the ultimate, I believe. It is. And uh, it, it wasn't just a weakness because of how I was portraying myself, but how others were portraying me. And I refused to give them any ammunition that they would have on me to throw another punch at me, even though the punches were already intense. Mm. It's like, how much lower can you push me into the ground? Yeah, I can imagine. And eventually it became too much. And uh, one day, uh, my best friend just came out with it and he said, you know what? He said, just to let you know, 
if you become religious one day, you're going to lose all of us as friends. So he be, basically gave me an ultimatum and said, it's either this or this. Oh, wow. That's- that was the wake up call. I had never heard prior to this. I had never heard of anything like this in my life. Wow. That's- that was my first real experience with essentially racism. I call it racism. What else would you call it? They had an issue with my religion. Yeah. Right? Definitely, yeah. And that's how I took it. And it no longer became a joke with them. And from that point, um, I took it in. But then I fired back and said, why the hell am I your friend then? Why have I been wasting my time on over the last few years? Investing in you guys and doing all these things for you. And showing you what a friend is um, times 100. Yeah. They absolutely did not deserve me. And I came to realize that and I ended up letting them go. And that's when, uh, that's from there, I had to learn to kind of just be on my own because I had moved out at the time. And that's when it was, I I really experienced even a more, um, it became like even me being on my own, living on my own, that was a dark place as well. Yeah. Because I was now in an isolated state. Yeah, and you had no one to speak to at the time as well. You know, you can't, you couldn't express yourself, you know, you couldn't be vulnerable, you couldn't, you couldn't basically have a conversation with someone, be open and honest and just let all that negativity and let all those emotional oh. feelings out, isn't it? Because you're alone. And 100%. And the, the problem too is that um, never being okay with my vulnerability, it's almost like everything even before these guys that had built up, all the suppression, I think it just all built up on one another where it became almost um, unbearable to deal with. Yeah. And like you said, not having anybody to talk to. And because I didn't have a relationship with my brother, here I was, you know, detaching myself with the only group of friends I had at the time. Mm-hmm. I, was, I literally had nobody. And because I had unintentionally neglected everybody else in my life, nobody was around. And being on my own in that space it became very, um, it was a brutal experience for me, but had I not gone through it, I wouldn't have forced myself to, to, to look deeper within myself, to understand myself better, to nourish that relationship, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Here I was putting everybody else first, but was avoiding the one person who is most important myself. Mm -hmm. We can't take care of other people to our full capacity. If we can't take care of ourselves. Love it. So that's something I have to learn and accept. And it was such an eye opener because as I started to be in this isolated state, I started to ask myself the deeper questions such as what do I want to do in life? Do I want to go back to school? And that's kind of what led me to making the decision to go back. So powerful, man. I love it. Your story is like deep and like, <laughs> like super, like we can go on for hours because it's, we I'm, could. I can already tell it's like an onion, you know, there's like so many layers to it. Um, and you know what? I feel bad because I feel like I'm jumping from one topic to the next, but there's so much I want to get in. I know. Yeah. And like, yeah, <laughs> totally get it. And that's the thing about the podcast. Like people, I find most people don't even, um, most people that listen to podcasts actually end it like halfway through or they listen to like the most juiciest parts in the, in the first like 45 minutes, 40 minutes and then the end bit, they just get, they just go. Um, whereas I find most, for, for my podcast anyway, the best bits are come, they all come at the end when, when the guest is super <laughs> pumped at the end and everything just wants, you know, they just want to unleash everything. I'm like, there's no time left, man. Like we have to end exactly. it. Exactly. You're limited, right? It's like- yeah, it's like, it's kind of limited, but Anyways, like the whole point of sharing your story and, and, and just in general, like for myself personally, number one is just for me to surround myself with people who are ambitious, who have been through tough times in their life, who I, can, who I know are genuine and authentic people and they're just living their truth now. And the reason why I get every single person on my podcast to share their story is because stories matter. Like I believe I want to bring everyone and anyone that I see that's ambitious, passionate, that's doing something that they love in their life. I, I just want to bring them on the podcast. I don't care about the followers. I, they don't need to have a blue tick to be on my podcast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I genuinely don't care. My podcast is super open to anyone that I've, I personally have to connect with and resonate with. And I'm like, I'm like, man, can you come and share your story? Like, cause I want to, I want to listen to it, but I also want to share this with the world. So your story gets out there. Someone else in the world can listen to just your story, your life, your challenges, your struggles 
and maybe right now while they're listening in their ears they're listening to that thinking shit like i'm going through this right now and oh my just exactly my and you know what for me more than anything getting into this writing route that i'm in now i wouldn't have in a million years believed that i'd be doing what i'm doing now helping like i just like you said not not caring about the followers but it's hard not to notice sometimes. Like I'm getting close to like I've been on and off around the fifteen thousand follower uh, count, and for me, it's not even about the number. It's it's more about the number, like the impact that you're making. Yeah. If you're reaching that many people, that's mind blowing. Let alone just impacting one person. Yeah. And when I first started writing on Instagram, it was about myself. It had nothing to do with, you know, making an impact in the world or even thinking that it was going to reach people. I had no idea even about the concept of like hashtags or anything like that. I re- I was still learning. Yeah, of course. Whole- like, as we were all like, we all started with just writing, <laughs> yeah. like, sharing something and like, oh, yeah, what like, happens. <laughs> I had tons of people try to encourage me to get into Instagram for the longest time. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's just another social platform. I'm not into it. But then it's funny because graphic design, when I started pursuing that, it started ironically opening all these other new doors, like mm. the writing venture. And uh, when I first started writing, like I said, it was for me. It almost became like a journal. Yeah. Writing things as a way of not just getting them out there, but also communicating to myself. Because I would write and then I would read my words again and again and again. It's kind of like, because I guess because you never had anyone to speak to and you were alone, the, yeah. way, the way you were expressing it was actually by writing. And that's what most 100%. writers do, right? They express their ideas and their thoughts through creativity, which is writing. Which exactly. Is- and even that of like, I don't know if you've heard of like, um, like there's been many people out there who in their books, like um, that, that mentioned the importance of journaling Yeah, and how powerful that is. I never used to journal. I never even used to read books unless I had to through school. Yeah. I can... And now I'm starting to like, I've, now I've realized the importance of that because that whole journaling process is what has strengthened my own relationship with myself. And I think people need to, you know, be willing to be vulnerable. And the best thing about writing is when you're in that atmosphere with yourself, nobody's going to judge you. You have the right to write whatever you want on paper because it's your story. You can be who you want to be. You can tell the story you want to tell. It doesn't matter because those words are yours and how you use those words is up to you. So that's what makes it so powerful. And, uh, anyways, when I started diving deeper into my writing, I eventually got my first inbox message from somebody who basically told me I had helped him in a dark place. And that was powerful for me because Mm -hmm. I knew what that feeling was when I was there. Yeah. And that was the moment for me when I knew my words had an impact, whether it was with one person or thousands of people, it didn't matter. It was reaching somebody who needed it. And that is what made the shift for me in terms of writing for myself and now writing for other people in an attempt to empower them to see their worth is what I always say. Love it. And so that's what drives me to do what I do now. And now I've met all these amazing people such as yourself, Amber Lee. Like there's all these different people that, you know, that inspire me and motivate me to do what I do. And I just want to be a part of it. Mm. I think we need more people who are willing to step outside, you know, out of the, out of their own selves and uh, serve for a higher purpose. Cause that's what it's all about. Definitely. I love it, man. Powerful words, powerful words. And that's the whole point of my podcast. It's the whole point of the content. And as Amberly always says to me, whenever we have a conversation together is the power of community is the power of building your online community and then bringing them offline one day, meeting each other in real life, having the human interaction and it's just the power of community, having like-minded people around you, encouraging you, supporting you, uplifting you. And every time you feel down, you know, you can just message this person and be like, I'm, like I, I feel like, you know, life is a bit crap today. How's your day going or something? Exactly. Having a conversation with someone that knows that, uh, how open and vulnerable you are to then support you and be there for you and be like, don't worry, like you got this, you know, um, it's, it's just a tough day. You know, you can, you can, you can, go, you can get through this. So it's so powerful to have encouraging people around us. Um, oh my, you're powerful. You're, I mean, your story was super powerful, <laughs> man. I, honestly, like, I wish I could go in for longer right, right now. I know. I, I feel bad. We, I think what we do, yeah, if you're up, if you're up for it, let's get. Uh, this is gonna after 
this little bit, I want to start with the, the last couple of questions for you to answer that I want you to kind of um, add value to the, to the listeners. But also, why don't we um, schedule in like an Instagram live story, uh, Instagram live story, an Instagram live or something together at one point, where we can just talk for an hour. We can get people live, come in, ask questions. We can share more, you know, you can share more of your story there. Um, and then Absolutely. we can do like that. That would be super it. cool. Let's do it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that would be amazing. But I wanna, I wanna get. I, I'm, I am super curious to get your thoughts on these questions I have. So I Uh-oh. usually ask three of them. I usually ask every guest, but the first one is separate, is kind of specific for the guest. So the first one I got for you because I know you're 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 really big and you've come from pure experience from the mental health background, being you know coming from the depre- uh, from the depression to like this super ambitious person now, you know, following your passion and your purpose. The first question I just got in in just one sentence. What does the word mental health mean to you specifically? So just the word mental health, what does it mean to you, like personally? To me, I think the one key word that stands out is self-care. Because that's essentially what it is. If you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your mental health. You're taking care of your physical health. You're taking care of every aspect of who you are. And that's, that's the key word that stands out to me, not even a sentence. Self-care embodies everything. And that can mean different things to different people too. And so if there's anything that pops out of my head, it would be self-care, 100%. Love that. And I, and I, you know what? I truly resonate with that. I think when people truly learn, like, and I mean genuinely truly learn how to love themselves and not in, everybody just says like, um, how, do we, how can we love ourselves but not be narcissistic? You know, not, not fall into that trap of we care so much about ourselves that we screw everyone else in the world and we love ourselves so much and blah, blah, blah. There's a balance, you know, there's a balance. You don't have to, there's a, there's a point where you, where you can, where you personally would realize that, oh my gosh, like I'm actually overdoing this self-care thing and I'm, I'm completely in love with myself and I don't care about other people. That's when you know you're going down the wrong, wrong rabbit hole. Exactly. And you just gave me a thought. I think the important thing to take note of is it's not selfish if you're not hurting anybody in what you're doing. If you're helping yourself and you're not hurting anybody else intentionally or even knowingly, you can't control how other, people's re- how other people receive what you're doing. 100%. If somebody's feeling torn about you making a decision that you know is best for you, that's on them. That's not your burden. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to not carry these weights that are not ours because the more we carry them around, the more we're impacting ourselves, and it's negatively taking us down these roads that we don't need to be on. And it's important for us to internalize that and to accept it because it's just like what I told you when, uh, when I was torn about, you know, switching career paths and taking on a new, uh, a new venture. Basically I felt selfish about leaving this job that was stable and you know that was that was seen as a, an amazing job to other people because it was such a good it was a, such a good um, opportunity. But like I said, it's not selfish if you're switching paths or you're doing all these little things for yourself mm-hmm. in an attempt to better who you are mm-hmm. in a good in a good way. So true. Where it's, where it's not affecting people. So. Yeah, and and you said it spot on, man. As long as you're doing it in a way where you're genuinely happy and you're you're self aware of what you're doing, but without worrying about what other how other people are taking it, then you're not really being narcissistic, right? You're just you're just deeply happy. What I what I call it. Absolutely, and to take it a step further too, if by not doing the things that you truly want to do, you're depriving yourself of rights that you're 100%. you're entitled to. And even that alone can be toxic, mm-hmm. depending on where that leads you. So, so true. Important. Love it. I love it. So, <laughs> okay, so the next question Omar got for you is, what one video or movie or documentary have you seen in your life that you would recommend everyone to go back and, and watch it, like today after listening to this podcast? Can, yeah. I, mention, can I mention a person? That's later. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's coming. You're ready. How did you know my questions? Have you been listening to my podcast? I must be a mind reader. Yeah, you must be, bro. <laughs> um, that's coming. So I do want to also know the person in your life that's impacted the most. But um, go, go for whichever one. Either you can go for the person if that's in your head now, and then you can go for the video. There's, if I'm being honest, there's no particular video that stands out right now. Okay. But there is a book that I'm reading at the moment that really that's resonates another one. with me. <laughs> Go for it. You are a mind reader, bro. Oh, man. What do I do? (laughs) 
Um, hang on. Let me think about this for a second. Uh, that's a tough one. It is I've tough. seen so many different videos, but honestly, like Amber Lee is a very, very good one in terms of the video she puts out there. Absolutely love her story. Yeah, me too. And I think everybody needs to just any of her stories or, or any of her videos are really good. Especially her TEDx. I think her TEDx talk was is just unbelievable. I loved it. She's an unbelievable human being. I know. Tell me about it. And so in terms of videos, go watch all of hers because they're yeah, amazing. Definitely. Okay, <laughs> perfect. That's, that, that sums it up, actually. I'm, and I agree with you. I think she's, she's an incredible human being. I love her so much. Um, and her story just blew my mind. The first time I connected with her and heard her story, I was like... And I, she was the first person on my podcast, believe it or not. She was oh, my first awesome. guest because I was like... I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need Amberly on my... Like, she has to be my first guest and she was so grateful the, i was so gutted because i couldn't have a video of her she we never had a video call at the time we did just audio um but it's fine i'm definitely gonna have another chat with her soon and hopefully have her another on another episode again um but what about what about person like which one person either dead or alive it could be anyone has impacted you like truly in your life that's changed your mindset that's changed the way you think about yourself your life everything well, the person I'm going to mention is somebody that actually pulled me into the field of writing now. And her name is Nezua Zabian. She's actually, oh. from my, she's actually from my city. She's from London. I know her. As in, yeah. as in I've seen her stuff, yeah. And I'm sure many people who are listening to this have heard of her. Um, she's, another, she's on another level in terms of being a phenomenal human being. I absolutely love what she's doing. I love what she's about. Um, her story's insane in terms of being inspiring um and that was actually the first you know what that was actually the her videos were the first set of videos i started watching because i didn't even know what tedx was at the time okay i never used to watch any of this stuff and uh i'll let people look her up and you know kind of learn about her story yeah, for sure. yeah they have to i don't want to give all the the details um but basically watching her and listening to her story and, uh, you know, just soaking it all in is what really inspired me to start writing because even back when I was in grade 12, I was in the running to be valedictorian, if you're mm. familiar with what that is. No, not familiar with it, no. So valedictorian is uh, an opportunity for you to be chosen as the sole person to speak on behalf of all the grade 12 students in high school. Ah, Okay. And so I had a strong desire to do it at the time, but my fear of public speaking is what prevented me from doing it. So I dropped out of the running. Oh, wow. And when I was going through that heartbreak I told you about briefly, I stopped writing because of that. Because I used to write poems and things like that as a way to... Um, I didn't... You're, I didn't, I didn't you're a romantic type of guy then. Definitely, I would. <laughs> 100% I would. <laughs> I'm I, not gonna... I, I could just see you as being, as, as being a writer and the, the things you talk about, <laughs> how deep you go into your posts. I can definitely imagine you writing beautiful, lovey-dovey poems to, to your poems. I'm not going to lie. And I used to. <laughs> I used to. I'm I, sure I, I know still... you do, right? I already know. I, I feel it. It's all the feels. It's all the vibes. You can, you can sense it, right? I can sense it, bro. Even if we're on the screen, I can just feel people and feel the vibes, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna no shame there, right? No, I of used, course not. I'm, I'm I the used, same man. I used, to, I used to, you know, my quotes that I post. I used to, with 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 my ex. I used to always put. Um, I used to always make specific quotes for her, and you know, with the nice <laughs> pictures and stuff, and make like meaningful, nice, romantic type of quotes. And I suppose I used to like send it to her every morning. Oh, for sure. Like even when it came to like birthday gifts and things, like Valentine's and all that stuff, I used to go nuts over that. It was bad. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was bad for your bad for your wallet but it was good you know what though i love the way it made people feel that's why i would do it exactly the same as me man like i don't even care now, about the money i love here, buying anyway. someone a really specific gift for the person they are that i just love the feeling when they take it they're like oh my gosh you, you knew that this yeah. is what that feeling makes me so happy like it's priceless it's priceless man you're right and even it doesn't have to cost money i used to buy things that um, that didn't really cost that much money. I just buy them from Amazon, but it's the, you know how they say the thought that counts? Yeah. It's the thought that went behind that specific gift with the specific stone or whatever it was for that person, it just means something special to that person and, and they love it. You know what you went through to get that gift. Exactly. <laughs> they don't, but you do, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, 
Yeah. So Najwa's Abian. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll make sure that everyone goes and checks her out as well because her stuff is super powerful. Um, and now an for the last one is the book. Like, which I know there's going to be probably more than one, but which one would you recommend everyone to go and read that that genuinely has an impact in, in your life? You know what? It has to be the book that I'm reading right now. What's it called? And uh, it's it's by Lewis Howes. Oh, okay. Mask of ma- the mask of the mask of masculinity. Epic man. I'm just in the first few stages of reading the book, but just from reading what I've read so far, I resonate, like needless, needless to say, I resonate deeply with it. Mm. But uh, it's funny because I wish I had a book like that when I was going through what I was going through. Mm. Because all the concepts I'm starting to read right now are things that I already know and I've already internalized because I've allowed myself to. Yeah. So just reading them again is kind of like reassuring me of the fact that it's true. And everything that I've thought and believed in has directed me here for a reason. And I'm very, very thankful for all my experiences, good and bad. Because had I not been in the hole that I found myself in, I wouldn't have been able to pull myself out of it and true. rise higher. Yeah. Myself. So that would be the book. And, I, and honestly, even though it's called Mask and Masculinity, it's not just tailored towards men. Yeah. Women can learn a lot about it because it allows women to learn how they can talk to men, talk to their partners. How can you encourage men to speak up and to open themselves up? So there's something to learn for everybody. And I think it's such an important thing for society to, to change uh, perception on because we need to uh, eliminate this belief that it's not okay to be okay, regardless of your gender role. The key word, I think, to end the episode is vulnerability. Vulnerability is. is the key word and it's the most powerful thing that we can all learn about and not just learn about, but actually take action in our life to become this person to be more vulnerable, to be more open, to be more honest with the world of who you truly are without worrying about who judges you. Because at the end of the day, this is our one life, one chance. We're not going to get another one. So we might as well just do what, what it is that we love. You nailed it. And you know what? Being the people that we are, when you know you've been through so much and you're able to make an impact, why wouldn't you? Exactly. You're, you, imagine if everybody had that mentality of helping each other, being like... Have you watched the Ellen show? I'm sure you've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. Like she always ends her segments by saying, be kind to one another. Exactly. That's so powerful because it's true. Imagine everybody had that notion and they fought, they lived their lives by that same. How many, how many places would we be able to pull people out of? How many uh, things could we prevent? It's like people don't need to be going through what they go through. There's a lot that we can do as a society to help each other. And many of us are not doing anything. We're, we're acting as bystanders when we have, like, we can do better than that, I think. Definitely. And no, we're, doing, we're doing better. We are doing better. I would say, but we can even do much better than this. Slowly but surely, slowly but surely is getting there. Like, I see a progress happening because more people are do. becoming more open and honest now. It's just we need more people like us. We need more people on the ground that's actually sharing this message. That's why I always exactly. talk about kindness. And how we should just, that small act of kindness can genuinely have a domino effect and can help so many people. I remember to end the episode, I'll share this little story with everyone. I remember there was a time where I believed in this. Uh, I learned this from a mentor and he taught me this thing called, um, um, what was it called? Uh, something Wednesday. I can't remember what it was. It was uh, oh, it's just gone from my head, actually. Something Wednesday it was called. And basically the whole concept of it was to do something nice for a stranger without them knowing that it was you that did it. Because the feeling that it gives us, the feeling that kindness towards another human being without them knowing that it was us, the feeling that has on our, on our heart and our life makes a massive impact. And what I used to do when I learned about that concept, I, I can't remember what it was called, but anyway, I used to buy people's coffee. So when I used to go get a coffee, I used to buy my, my coffee and I should basically just say to the, to the person serving me, the next person that buys a latte or a cappuccino, can I just pay for that? And the next person that orders it just tells them someone paid for it today. That's and so that. funny. And they did that. And they talk, that, that server, when I came back the next day for my coffee, they actually said, oh, you, like, we remember you from yesterday. After you went, you know, we gave the next person the, the free cappuccino, the latte, and just told them that someone else paid for it. And they were so happy. They said, oh, my gosh, there still is kind people in the world. That's ex- that was the exact word. It's so funny you brought that up because I do like I do the exact same thing. It's so and powerful, right? It just makes it you is. feel happy and good as well. You know what? The, even more than that, you're basically te- like depending on you don't know who that person is behind you. No, 
You don't know. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know their story. So depending on the, the timing that you've done that, you could have shifted their entire perspective around on society. And not just that, you're now creating a chain effect of kindness. That person is hopefully going to you know, pay it forward and that person's going to pay it forward and it just becomes a revolving thing. Exactly. It's powerful. It's just a small effect. act, like you said. Just a small thing, but it's so powerful, man. But I want to end it on that because I know it's been a long episode and I'm so grateful, Omar. Honestly, like I, I mean this, man. Like I'm super grateful that you shared your story on the podcast. I really genuinely wish we could have a two-hour... I know. It's, um, <laughs> it, it sucks that it has to, it has to end. <laughs> but, um, but I genuinely want to, want to schedule that, that live with you. We'll definitely go on, on Instagram and we can speak... Um, a lot more on there and we can go we can do a live or something at one point so we can share more because I know this I can I can already feel it like I know there's so much more that you want to express and you want to share part of your story because it's like a there's so much more uh, I know you can get in more deeper than, than the session that we just had but, Absolutely. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for thank you for spending this time with me man thank you for um, inspiring all the listeners um, hopefully they're going to get they're going to get a lot of value from your story and it's going to impact them what are the best ways that everybody can, if, they, if there's someone going through a dark time or depression or anxiety or something right now, and they need some, a little bit of guidance, they need some help, what's the best way someone can, can reach out to you? And which platforms do you kind of spend the most time on that they can, they can get help from? So primarily I use Instagram, but I'm also using Twitter as well. Okay. There's, gonna, there's other things that I have going on the, like there's other things on the go right now, but uh, those are the two primary ones I would say. Okay. Um, so my handle is Omar Hashem. So O-M-A-R-H-A-C-H-E-M says, so S-A-Y-S. That's my handle for both. And of course, with the at sign at the beginning. Um, but more than anything, even just outside of myself, if you're struggling and you find yourself in a bad place, reach out to somebody. Don't feel shame. Don't carry what you're carrying inside of you because it's just going to build up. It's just going to it's just going to carry you forward into more places that you don't want to be in. So reach out to somebody, whether it's a close person or a mentor, it's so important. Love it, man. I love it. And guys, honestly, like if you're still listening until now, I just want to say, please go and go and follow Omar. Like you have to check out his stuff, just his posts. Okay. Just his content. Um, his, his, his Twitter, his, his tweets, you know, his content, the, the deep, captions that he goes into because I've, I've read a lot of them they get deep man they really hit your heart but honestly like you have to reach out to him and he's always there as you said he's always open to help as any of you guys out just reach out to him send him a dm send him a, send him a tweet um and he can help you guys out but i really want you guys to follow this guy he's, he's truly making an impact in the world and he's helping a lot of people omar thank you so much for being on the purposeful mindset podcast thank you so grateful man um, thank you so I can't much wait for to, having me i can't wait to do it again soon man we definitely need to get on that. Whenever you're ready, I'm good to go. 100%, man. We'll, we'll get that sorted. We'll get that sorted for sure. But, we'll figure um, it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out 100%. For now, bro, take care of yourself. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you so much, man. Like, keep, keep, keep inspiring the world, man. Love you too, man. It was great to connect. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, exactly. That's the key word there. All right, man. All right, Thank man. you so much, bro. Take care of yourself, man. Thank you. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. If you're still there, I just want to say a massive thank you for your attention and your time. It really means a lot to me. Please do me one favor and subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and leave a rating on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would honestly mean the world to me. Thank you so much once again. I hope that this episode brought value and inspiration into your life and I'll see you guys next week.